Welcome to the road to growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the road to growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group, Realtor Vinny. AJ Adams, he is a high ticket business coach. Okay, AJ, before we get going, I have to bring this up to you. So Googling you, we met through social media. So I Google AJ, AJ Adams, right? <laughs> first one, okay? The first one comes up with you, your page. Do you want to guess who the second AJ Adams is out there? It's either the musician or the female author. The female <laughs> author. And I was, like, I was looking at it, and she she's a, a twisted, like, twisted love stories. I was yeah. like, okay, that's definitely not that AJ. All right, fair enough. I got to work on the SEO. I got myself, um, if you search AJ Adams, you're going to find me first. I got to work on the rest because I had to get her out of there because she's messing up the brand. So. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, let, let's just dive into it. So you're a high ticket business coach. I mean, I've had a lot of business coaches on here. What separates you from other coaches? Uh, I'll give you an answer you haven't heard before because I know uh-huh. how to answer that question properly. All right. <laughs> so what separates me is, yes, other people do high ticket coaching. What I do is I teach experts how to properly position themselves using my D6 method, which nobody else teaches because it's mine. I created it. And that process is how to discover the gold nuggets within your story that you've overlooked, that you don't realize are vitally important to determine what the value is by answering four questions. Who are you? What do you do? Who do you serve? And what unique value results you deliver? Develop a content strategy based on your story to attract people without funnels, ads, emails, deploy that brand on social media the right way, develop what I call relationship equity, and then dominate by building your brand, growing your following. And I teach my clients how to do that in 45, in as little as 45 days. Oh, oh. uh, all right. So your story, I mean, is kind of the idea of janitor to high ticket business coach, right? That's kind of like, that's right, like the so, uh, the movie headline trailer version. Oh well, no, definitely. There's probably going to be a lot of a lot of ups and downs, a lot of a lot of good stories. I think that one right there at least gets your attention. Going okay, so how are you a janitor to switching over to be a high business coach? Can you kind of like walk us through your story? Yeah, absolutely. So the I started as a youth pastor. That's why I started speaking, and I transitioned from that to actual professional speaking as a youth motivational speaker. So I was going into middle schools and high schools, eventually colleges, then big state conferences and regional conferences. I learned branding, marketing, positioning, messaging, all of this stuff that now makes me a marketing expert and branding expert out of necessity because nobody knew who I was. And I had to figure out how do I take my story that isn't that phenomenal? I I wasn't on drugs. I didn't have a crazy rags to riches story. I wasn't a celebrity or pro athlete. I was just some kid from a tiny island who had a passion to reach young people and inspire people. So I started studying Les Brown, Tony Robbins, Zig Ziglar, the big names. And I started emulating what they were doing, the content. I, I would watch their talks and I'd reverse engineer and I'd outline their keynotes and then create my own. I started positioning myself through content and just, you know, some of it's strategy and some of it is talent. And I got really good at it to where I was making more for 45 minutes on stage than I was making at a month in my day job. So I was getting paid a few thousand dollars to give a talk that got the attention of other speakers and coaches who weren't as good at social media content. They weren't as good at positioning and marketing themselves. 
they started reaching out to me. That led to me uh, doing high ticket coaching, which most coaches will start out $500 a month for six months. I went straight to, if you want to work with me, it's this length of time and it's going to cost you five grand up front. When I launched that side of my business, we did in 45 days, landed three or four clients and did over $20,000 in 45 days, which is why now I teach my clients how to hit that five figures uh, and launch their hot ticket business in as little as 45 days. That's when I started. That led to more positioning, me reinvesting into my brand, led to a partnership with the guy who launched and built uh, Jennifer Lopez brand and did the biggest celebrity brand deal in history for three and a half billion dollars. Led to me working with a celebrity client that was paying me 13000 a month and working with her $100 million brand, rebranding them, uh, their websites, managing their social media. I had a team in New York. I was consulting. I was speaking. I was traveling. Uh, and it all came from diving in and learning how to do branding and marketing and positioning. And from there, I built multiple high-ticket offers, went from zero to six figures in less than six months, and have been doing the same thing since. All right, so there's a lot of nuggets to take away from that. A lot of nuggets. All right, let's jump with the the, the first one. So Little Island, what island were you, you come from? I grew up on the island of Guam. So if okay. you look up, it is south of, it's like north of Australia, south of, southeast of China somewhere. The island is so small that if you look it up on a globe, the word Guam is bigger than the picture of the island. That's how so, small it was. So you, so you're born on Guam. And what happened next? You, so I was actually born in San Diego. My okay. mom is from Guam. So we moved to Guam. So I'm the, the tall, you know, black kid around a bunch of short brown kids. So I stick out like a sore thumb. Um, we moved there and you know, I got picked on in school. I got bullied. And then my dad, who was a martial artist, put me in martial arts. I started building confidence. I started learning how to uh, talk to people, how to persuade people, which I didn't realize at the time, but that would become a really vital skill for me. Talking people down, de-escalating, getting in their head and getting them to do what I wanted them to do that was to their benefit and mine. Um, then I started, We from there, that was, a, that was the beginning of the journey. Um, from there, we moved back to San Diego. Then I moved to Arizona. Uh, then I moved to Australia with my best friend. We did an internship working with students. And that's where I really started. That's where I first started speaking in schools. And then that led to then being a youth pastor, going back into schools, and then has progressed to where I'm at now. So did you grow up fairly religious then to become a, a youth pastor? Or is that something you picked up yeah. over time? No, that was something I grew up with that as a foundation. Okay. Um, so kind of walking through it. So you and your friend decided to move out there because you saw the opportunity to, I'm guessing, see the world, but also kind of give back, right? Or Yeah. So his, his dad was... Um, you know, he was a dentist. He was, you know, when it was in the Navy, college educated. So he said, I want to send John, who is his son, my best friend. I want to send John somewhere where he can serve people and, and gain, just gain some life experience, you know, be around other cultures and get a better perspective and view of the world. Well, he didn't want to send them there alone. So I get a phone call one day and he says, uh, hey, I'm sending John to Australia for this internship program. I want to send you too and have you guys go kind of like buddies going off to war. And that, that's how he described it. So I said, all right, well, I'm 19. I'm not doing anything with my life. Why not move to a different country? So we moved. And that's where I first really gained a perspective of how big the world was. But more importantly, how big an impact people can make when they're committed to creating influence 
uh, positive, positively giving back to people. And that was the start of me, just my mind expanding and realizing I can really make a difference in the world if I position myself the right way, if I get around the right people. And uh, I served, uh, helped with, put on events for thousands and thousands of people, uh, got to travel around some more after that. Uh, but that was the beginning of me really seeing that there's a whole world that I can impact if I really have a mission and I really pursue that. I mean, one of the things, and I've been lucky enough to, to travel a lot and, and live in other places too. One thing that I find out is when you travel and live in other countries, you got to find out more about who you are as a person. I mean, what were you, what were you learning? Cause I mean, people in, at, at, at the core, I guess, similar, right. From Guam to, to all the different places you live to San Diego. Yeah. Yet, how they live their their daily life, their daily routines are going to vary, right? Yeah. Were you picking things up by yourself, or kind of communication with other people, or anything like that? It was both. I've always been a really observant, introspective person, so I was catching things I was observing. I would often sit, you know, whether it was at the mall or somewhere else, and just observe people and kind of analyze and take in what was what I saw happening, patterns. But I also had a lot of time talking to people from different countries, whether it was from London, Germany. Uh, Ireland, uh, Japan, China, all over Asia, um, Africa, South Africa, talking to people about their experiences, what their culture is, the different accents, different perspectives on the world. Uh, the difference from being in a place like Guam that has a population of under 200,000 for the whole island, the perspective of people who stay there their whole life because they're honestly too afraid of to venture out. They want to stick to what they know versus a place like Australia and the, the the college I was at, where it's an international leadership college, and you have people coming from all over the world and experiencing different cultures, it opened my mind to the different types of people. So I can I can literally now go anywhere and connect with people of any race, any gender, any uh, sexual orientation, doesn't matter who you are, I can connect with you because I've been around so many different people. That's the biggest thing I took from it was learning how to hear other people's stories and their experiences and connect with them. So when you speak to a group now, right. Or when you, when you, when, or when you were speaking to groups and I guess still speaking to groups, did you, ha- do you have to change your style from areas that you're in, like from one area to the next, you can be a little more humorous, a little more dry. I mean, anything like that, or is it more like very, very generic across the board? Make sense? I was always me, Okay, but I would find as, as in terms of speaking, uh, since we're talking in that context, I would always get to an event early and connect with a few people in the audience. I would observe and watch to see what is this audience? Who are they? I've been at events where most of the audience was black. I've been at events where it was mostly white and it was older, you know, white investors, younger white college students. Um, these are all black professionals. Okay, now this event is a mix. So I would find and I would decide in my mind what stories am I going to tell about myself that are most relevant to this audience in particular. The message overall was this, was always the same. The The core of my story was the same, but I would pick different stories. So if I'm talking to a youth audience, I would tell about how I got bullied in school and how I dealt with that or insecurities or wanted to commit suicide, running away from home. But if I'm talking to entrepreneurs, I'll talk about my story of being a janitor and how I got through that and building a business and things like that. So I always adapted what parts of myself I shared based on the audience. So it was always me, but it's always relevant. So so you're doing the youth pastor stuff, you're speaking engagements, you're kind of learning that you're you're doing well in it. 
I mean, when you kind of did the synopsis of it, you made it seem like it was pretty straightforward. It was like, okay, I did some conversations here, did some speaking engagement here, start making more money, start doing coaching. Uh, I, I'm assuming that that wasn't just the gravy train. There was kind of things <laughs> that you kind of had to kind of learn as you as you went through. Like, what happened? How, was it just an opportunity and you just took it? Or how did that the next step go and the next step and the next step? So I give the synopsis because if I really went and told the whole story, it would take hours. Um, in the last eight years. So this started, I mean, I could go back. I was in Australia. I first started speaking. This is 2003. We're in 2020 now. So 17 years uh, I've been speaking. Um, oh, it's been 17 years. And through that time, there's been a lot of ups and downs. Um, but at every turn here, what I always did was I always asked, where do I want to be? What's the story I want to tell? And how do I become the person who has the capacity to build the success I want so I can tell that story? So when I was 28 and I had, I was sitting in a a Taco Bell restaurant, literally reevaluating my life because with a wife and two kids, I couldn't buy tacos. My car got declined for like $15 for lunch. I looked at my account. It's negative $250. I look at my only other account. That one's negative also. And we had just moved from Phoenix to Southern California to start this youth program. So now we're broke. My wife is panicking. The kids are concerned. I We look around the car, and all I have to my name is a half-gallon Ziploc bag with $5.38 change. I basically, I mean, to give reference to those watching, I have this. There's about $12, $15 in here. I had $5.38 to my name. I would not, so I had to take a second job. I took a second job working as a janitor. And while I did that, every day I obsessively studied the areas of skill and knowledge that I knew I was lacking. I studied finance. I studied business. I studied marketing. I listened to Rich Dad, Poor Dad audiobooks. I listened to every talk I could find from Robert Kiyosaki to learn about money. I listened to Tony Robbins to work my mindset. I listened to Les Brown. I listened to sermons. I listened to Zig Ziglar to learn sales. I educated myself. I wrote this book, my first book, while I was working as a janitor. And people ask, well, why, how can you write a book on success when you're not successful? Because this book was me documenting the lessons I was learning because I was that confident that I would one day be successful. So I said, I'm going to document this as I go through it. So when you, so you're a youth pastor when you're, you're broke, right? When you guys moved from, to Southern California? Yeah. Okay. We moved there. I already had been a youth pastor. Yeah. Yeah. I'm assuming there's other careers that you could probably make more money than being a youth pastor. What was the driving force behind being a youth pastor? Was it, was the idea of giving back or was it, was there something else there? My passion was to help people and to serve students. And honestly, uh, man, it wasn't as practical as it, my thinking as it should have been, because if it was, I would have probably made some different decisions to set my family up. I was driven by the passion and, you know, I'm the, I'm the guy who dropped out of high school in the ninth grade. So my education didn't lend to me getting a well-paying job. I had served in these different volunteer kind of ministry roles for so long, I'd never really built a solid resume. The best jobs I could get, I never, I've never, still to this day, outside of my business, I've never landed a job with a salary of more than $38,000. Because my my background, my education says that I'm not worth that much. But that's, that's why I went all in on entrepreneurship, because I knew I was worth more. 
because I knew I, I was going to I educated myself. And that's why I'm so passionate about people taking control and writing their own story. What I mean, so, okay, so you're throwing nuggets out and I'm like trying to grab these nuggets as they go about there. So you jumped, you, you dropped out of high school uh, in ninth grade. All right. What happened there? So went to school, like most kids, elementary school, uh, and then fifth grade after, after fifth grade, my parents decided that they were going to homeschool me, me and my sisters. That didn't go so well. Um, the curriculum was expensive. My parents were struggling financially, so we didn't always have curriculum. So honestly, from sixth grade until freshman year when I dropped out, I didn't really do that much schoolwork. I really wasn't my, – my education wasn't consistent. So that's why I dropped out. I was depressed. I was frustrated. I felt like I was going nowhere, and I said, screw it. I'm done. I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. So I dropped out. Two years later, I went and got a GED. And just because of the environment I was in, uh, within the church environment, I loved serving people. I still love serving. And that's the only way I knew to do it was to serve in that capacity. And then I went to Australia and the leadership college I was at there was based in one of the largest and most influential churches in the world uh, called Hillsong. And I was serving in that capacity. I was learning how to present. I was learning how to be a leader. So I grew up in that context and continue to follow that career path, which anyone in the ministry space knows you're not going to get paid a lot of money. It's if you want to have a be affluent, that's not the place to do it. Very few people uh, end up in an affluent place from that. But that was the path that was in front of me. It's all I knew until I discovered while in that internship that I had a, a gift for speaking in front of people. So. You're you're looking to give back, trying to find ways. You, you find out you're you're speaking and all that kind of stuff, and it's going positive. When you start bringing the big ticket items and you start putting that together, saying, "Hey, you want, if you want to coach with me, it's going to cost you five thousand dollars." I think there's something with a lot of uh, business owners, especially when they're trying to give back, nonprofits, things like that. They devalue their services because they feel that if they put a high price on it, they're not going to be able to 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 give back in that kind of that kind of way. How, yeah. how are you able to to differentiate the, the idea to give back and also know your worth? Does that make sense? Yeah, because I've been through the place where I tried to give back from a place of lack. Okay. You cannot give back unless you have something. You can't pour out from a cup that's empty. So I charge what I charge because when it's worth it, it's worth a lot more. But I give back. I do a lot of free coaching. Um, I do a lot of free content. I mean, if someone follows me, They'll learn how to get results just from my free content and a lot of the free coaching I do. If you join my Facebook group, The High Ticket Advantage, you're going to get a lot of free training in there. I charge for people to work directly with me for implementation. And then I can take that profit, I can take those resources and put it into doing more to serve people. So I've been doing free content for over eight years. YouTube, I mean, Facebook, Instagram, a massive amount of free content. And then I started to monetize it. So I will always do free content, but I'm trying to build a more, a bigger, more profitable business so that I can take and invest into people. My vision is to have a, a home for uh, kids in the foster care system because out here in Arizona, foster care system sucks. There are, are 30,000 kids in the system. Most of them don't have homes and they never will. They'll just age out. 
They don't have resources. They're not prepared for life when they age out. Uh, I want to have a, uh, whether it's a foundation or a scholarship for entrepreneurs where I can give free training for those young entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs who can't afford to invest in a program, who are like me, didn't have any resources, didn't have all the mentors. They had to scrape it together over years through countless articles and YouTube videos and uh, Google searches. So the balance is in order for me to give at the level I want, I have to build. There are lots of people who will pay me. Those people will pay. And there are lots of people who can't. Those people I will create a lot of free stuff for. The um, No, I mean, I, I appreciate I appreciate, appreciate that answer. Now, going back into the struggles, and you kind of walked through some of the struggles about getting bullied as a kid. I mean, being with your family, not being able to pay for, for tacos, uh, Taco Bell. Um, I mean, a lot of these kind of things, if you can kind of narrow it down in those moments, I mean, especially with being your family and not being able to yeah. provide for those tacos right there. I mean, that's a powerful thing because you have this, your big why right there and you can't, what was going through your head at that time? Never again, never again will I put my family in this position. And the important, re- the important realization I had there was that I was in that space of life because all of my life, the way I grew up, the mindset I had, I had played a passive character in my own story. I had never chosen to take control because I never realized I could take control and I could write my success story. I could set goals and not just setting goals, but saying in a year, here's where I want to be. In five years, here's where I want to be. In the moment, sitting in that Taco Bell parking lot, broke and unable to feed my family, I had to decide what story do I want to be able to tell about this moment. When my... Um, one of my employees or a guy that I brought onto my team to work with and who was going to become a business partner. I mentored him, invested in him when he up and left stole thousands of dollars from us. I had to decide what's the story I want to tell about this. So in every moment, the theme has been write your story. What do you want to be able to tell? Do you want to be, do you want the story to be that you quit that you gave up? Or do you want the story to be somewhat something much more inspiring than that? Do you want it to be that you push through that you took action so building your story and actually working your story is two different things, right? I know like, I want to go, I'm going to start working out again. Yeah. And then what happens after a week? Oh my God, I'm getting sore. I don't really want to do it anymore. I mean, in, in those, cause like you probably, I'm assuming you had those, those low moments where you're just like, God, this is, this, this is a lot harder yeah. than I, I had in my head. What I had those moments last week. <laughs> <laughs> so what pushes you through those moments? The problem to answer that question, let's let's, answer why people have, why people don't push those moments. People don't push through those moments because they rely on motivation. And motivation is based on emotion. It's based on the moment. I feel motivated, so I'll go to the gym. I don't feel motivated, so I don't go to the gym. I don't operate based on motivation. Motivation is garbage. Motivation is the sugar on, uh, it's that sugary coating they put on the, the, the pills. The substance is what's in it. And that's the mission. So I might feel motivated, but ultimately I operate based on a mission. My mission is to make a global impact, to empower people to write their success story. For my kids, my wife, my legacy, my family members, that mission supersedes any emotion, any motivation. I don't feel like getting up and working today. Today was one of those days. Been a rough week with some different things happening. I woke up today and I'm like, I really don't feel like it. I don't feel like doing these interviews. 
but I have a mission to impact people whose life is not going to be impacted because I didn't feel like it. If I punk out and don't do my job and do it well and with excellence, who am I letting down? How am I failing the mission? Is it worth it? Is that the story I want to tell? That's not the story I want to tell. So I get my mind right, do my process, change my state, and get to work. I mean, I, I think this the next question I ask is going to have a lot of correlations to what you just said right there. If if someone's, let's say the high school kid, that, that teenager, you know, they're dropping out of high school. They're, they're leaving their family, don't know where their life's going to take them. What kind of advice would you give that person right now? You better go get a mentor. You can't just ditch everything and run from it. Life sucks. Life, life gets hard. But when I was 14, sitting on the curb outside my house with my bag packed, ready to leave, I realized two things. One, the situation is going to change by me running from it. So I got to go back inside and deal with it and man up or girl up, whatever. Number two, I'm on an island that there's nowhere to go. And for a lot of people, that's your situation. If you run, where are you going to go? The problems will either follow you or the problem is you. And either way, whether it's no matter what your circumstances, whether you're the cause of it or someone else is the cause of it, you have to make the decision to change it. So, you know, I guess this goes into the next question. If someone's listening right now and they, they need a mentor, what's the best platform for, to follow you if they need a more hands-on approach and they have the capacity to pay you? What's the best way of them reaching out? Uh, go to Facebook or Instagram and uh, look up, look me up, AJ Adams. Uh, my handle is I'm AJ Adams, letter I, letter M, like, hey, I'm AJ Adams. Uh, or just do, <laughs> do what you did and just Google AJ Adams and make sure you don't click the one that is the lady with the twisted love stories. <laughs> uh, any last parting words that you want to throw out to the audience? Really simply said, you are not a passive character in your story. No matter what's happened, no matter what you're going through, you are not a passive character in your story. You have the power and the choice to take control and become the author of your success story. It's your story. Write it the way you want to tell it. Thank you, AJ, for, for being on the Road to Growth podcast. Hopefully everyone listening got some great information. Thank you again, AJ. Follow him. And again, he's not the, the white female author. <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Road to Growth, Success of an Entrepreneur. Please like, subscribe, and stay connected. Visit www.TheEnriquezGroup.com. Yeah, I created a website. Hope to see you again next week. The Enriquez Group, signing off.